Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. So I'm an all or nothing type of guy. If you get to know me, you're going to find it out. If you've known me for a while, you already knew that. And uh, here's a couple of ways that I'm an all or nothing guy. I went to college um, I never went to the school sight unseen. I uh, had, there's a story in front of it, but I didn't even see the school. I got the letter. They called me. They said, hey, we had some scholarships open up. We, wanna, we want you just to come check out the school for a semester. And I was like, what do you mean? They said, we want to pay full tuition for you to come to this uh, school for a semester. If you don't like it, you didn't lose anything. If you like it, we hope you'll become a student. And so God opened that door for this kid from Baltimore City with, um, with no money. No one in my family had ever gone to college before. And God had somebody call me um, off of my FAFSA list and said, you know what? We want you here and we want you here so bad we'll pay for it. And um, so, so God did that. And so I said, man, that's great. So I packed up my television and I grabbed, you know, my flip-flops or whatever. And I got my little Geo Metro and I drove to Virginia for college. And when I got down to college, four and a half hours away from home, I walk in and I ask the registrar, I said, hey, um, what is this thing called um, the college way? And they were like, you know, uh, they started laughing at me from behind the counter. I said, why are, you, why are you laughing? They said, no one has ever come into this here. I've been working here 20 some years. No student has ever come in and asked for the college rule book. I was like, oh, I didn't know that's what it, was, <laughs> what it was, but it was the college rule book. And in the rule book, I went back to my dorm, and I'm starting to set up my room, and I'm finding out I'm not allowed to have a television at this Christian college, and I've got a television in my car. Then I'm reading some more, and I find out I have to wear a tie to go to class. I said, what is this? And so, and I'm like, I don't even own a tie, no lie, but I'm all or nothing. So I just went down there, took the scholarship, got in my bed before I looked at the rules. And so here I am, I'm like, oh man. And then I flip one more page. It says, you're not allowed to have facial hair. I had a goatee. So I'm sitting there with a goatee, with a TV and no tie. And I'm like, what am I going to do now? So I had to, to go, and I went to Goodwill, and I got me a tie. I gave the TV to some kid down the hall who was old enough to have it, which was really weird at the time. They got rid of all those rules. But, but I gave my TV away. I bought a tie, a couple ties at Goodwill, and, uh, and, and, and I shaved. And my grandfather passed away a couple of months later. And it was during that time that God showed me what the local church could be. Because on my hall, all these Christian young men at 3 a.m. in the morning came in and prayed with me. And they dropped money at my feet. And I'm just in tears because I never had people my age care about me that way. Never in my life. And I said, there's something different. Another example of me being all or nothing is uh, when I decided, when I was 35 years old, I decided I was going to, um, I had a midlife crisis, so I guess I'm only here till 70. <laughs> That's all I can figure. So, you know, it, take it in while you got it, guys. So here's the deal. At 35, I, uh, I went and I said, I, I know what I'll do. I'm going to buy a motorcycle. My wife, Christy, looked at me, and I ducked her slap. And she said, uh, what are you talking about? You've never ridden a motorcycle in your life. I'm like, baby, it'll be fine. So I went and I called up a friend and I bought a motorcycle. And I had to have my friend ride it home because I didn't have a motorcycle license. I'm all or nothing. 
And uh, I've relied on friends, Pete in here, Mo, one of our elders, and a couple of other guys to guide me along the way. When I was at Liberty, I've relied on some friends to help me understand this new culture I was dipped in. When I got a motorcycle, I've relied on some friends to help teach me the way to, uh, to, to ride a bike. And when, when uh, this, this last birthday just happened last week, your pastor is a year older now. Congratulations to me for surviving this world. And, and uh, so this year, I was just like, babe. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, Carl, one of the guys from here in the church, took me out. And I went out, I told you guys a story how I messed up my, I got motor blue, and I just went out by myself on a little boat. And I was like, man, this is great. And then I went out with Carl, and we caught a few fish. And did you know if you hold a fish closer to the camera, it inflates in size? Yeah, so when you see all your friends, you're like, wow, what a great fish. Like, it's like a goldfish, y'all. They're just holding it close to the camera. But anyhow, so we went out, and we caught some fish, and we had a good time. And uh, I was like, man, I'm really getting that. I like this. This is kind of cool. This is relaxing. Nobody's around. Boat etiquette is you stay away from me 100 yards like a football field, and it's great. It, it's, it's great. So uh, then I went out with a friend. Um, he's a pastor in town named John Kovacs, and he has a little boat. And I was like, it doesn't get any better than this. I was like, this is what heaven feels like. You just float around on a little boat, and all the stress goes away. So we get back home, and I, I had told John while I was on the boat, I was like, it's my birthday. I think I can talk my wife into letting me buy a boat. And uh, he sent me a link, and he was like, Tali, you don't understand. This guy's put a ton of money in this thing, but something's going on. He wants to get out of it. And sure enough, I messaged him, and I was like, hey, I want to buy your boat. <laughs> Do you know what I didn't have? A fishing rod. I've never owned a fishing rod in my life, y'all. I've only been fishing twice, but I bought a boat. <laughs> so, so here I am. Now I bought a boat. Then I contacted Robert. I'm like, Robert, you've got a truck, our drummer. <laughs> I said, I don't have a hitch to pull this boat. <laughs> and so he let me borrow his, his truck. And the first time out, Robert's check engine light came on. <laughs> and I said, oh, no. So it all got worked out. It's Robert's business to tell you the rest of that story. But it got worked out. And, and uh, along the way, I've been blessed because in this week of being a new guy in this fishing world, new to the college culture, I had some college friends walk me along and show me. New to um, the, the motorcycle experience, I had some friends walk and show me the way. New to fishing, uh, like I am, I'm still a brand new rookie. I've had a lot of friends, although I've caught a bunch of fish. I've got an Instagram account now just for my fishing stories. So PT fish is what? So anyway, uh, it'll, it'll fill your soul. But uh, anyway, I tell you that because all along the way, I've had some people. These are some people up here that in the last couple of weeks have really meant a lot to me. Uh, this guy up on the top left, that's John Kovacs. He's a pastor in town down in Mount Vernon. Um, great guy. And uh, he's the one that, that had this little boat, and he taught me everything he could. I asked a bunch of dumb questions, and he was awesome. He was great. That's my best friend, John. And uh, he and I went out the other day. He actually um, was the first one to push the boat out, but he knows about fishing because he's from East Tennessee. This guy over on the right is the guy I bought the boat from. And uh, this was a, a picture he sent me after I bought the boat and brought it home. He was like, hey, you know, here's my biggest fish, good luck and stuff. But all, the whole time I was there walking around the boat, he was telling me what everything did in detail. He didn't have to do that. 
He could have just been like, do you have the money? Get out of my house. But we spent like two and a half hours and he was meticulously showing me everything. And over here down in the bottom right is Carl. Um, this year, the first guy that took me out to just show me the basics. And he said, don't even bring a rod or reel until you know what you like. Don't do it. You can use my stuff. And we threw it out there and got his equipment hung up, but he was the coolest uh, guy ever uh, dealing with me. And then this guy up here on the um, bottom left, is uh, his name's Rick, and he works at Dick's Sporting Goods in Hunt Valley. And um, this guy spent almost three hours with uh, John and I because I walked in and I said, I know nothing about fishing, but I just bought a boat. <laughs> And he goes, oh, my goodness, let's take time. And he walked me through, and he gave me a master class, like, just in a, a couple of hours of, like, everything. He told me how to tie, and he told me what to get. And he didn't try to sell me anything. He was just like, I said, give me the basics. And he was like, he did it all, and he was amazing. Why am I taking time to tell you all this? Each of these experiences were brand new to me. And on my own, I could figure out how to navigate college. On my own, maybe with some loss of blood, I could have figured out how to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> and on my own, I could probably learn how to do this new hobby called fishing. But it's other people in my life and my willingness, my humility to submit myself to their expertise that were able to show me the way to do it well, to be a great college student, get a master's degree, to, to uh, ride a bike for several years, and I never laid it down one time, to fish now and be able to take friends out and ask people about their lives. I promise you I could tell you a ton uh, about uh, Rick here, about Carl um, up there. They're both named Carl. But I could tell you a lot about all these guys' lives because I've been able to take this hobby and really get to know these guys already. This month, I'm going to be sharing a series of messages with you to encourage you to walk in the footsteps of discipleship to find someone in your life who can intentionally challenge you, love you, encourage you, explain things to you, cry with you, laugh with you, celebrate your, 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 your joys and your victories, and, and to show you the way to be a Christian, the way towards Jesus. I'm going to talk fast, you listen fast, and we're going to get this done together. Today we're in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, and uh, the main verses will be 19 and 20. But this is the, the thing I want you to get across. We're talking discipleship. Discipleship is one Christian showing another Christian the way. Discipleship is one Christian showing another Christian the way. When the early church, before they were called Christians, they were called people of the way. Because at the end of the uh, sermon today, you're going to read the verse in, in the book of John. You know what? Jesus said, I am the what? The way. I am the way. And if you all are here today, you're saying, I'm open to understanding Christ. I'm open to the way. 
And so what we want to do is we want to say, well, wow, I want to get closer to Jesus. How do I get there? How do I learn him? How do I understand him? How do I fall in love with Christ the way I see other people falling in love with Christ? How do I do it? You have to submit yourself to the idea of discipleship. And all discipleship is, is my friends in college helping me know how to work my schedule. All discipleship is, is Pete showing me how to jack up my bike and and change the oil or do some work on it. All discipleship is, is one of these guys grabbing their rod and saying, here's how you do it. But what I understand about the local church and what is a huge indictment on Christianity is far too many of us do not have anyone discipling us, and far too many of us that have been around the block a while are not intentionally discipling anyone else. And as a result, we end up with a lot of people inside of the Christian church world that come to a service, listen to stuff, and then come back next week. And you're not being grown up and you're not laying down your life for someone else. So you're not fully understanding the way of Jesus. Matthew 28 says this. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus directed them. And when he saw them and when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. You know, in every single church in America, I pray to God every single Sunday that there are people in here that can worship and celebrate and they got it down and they know who God is and they're relying on him and they've seen him work in their lives this week, and they're, they're moving in the Spirit, and they're letting the Holy Spirit speak to them. They are trusting God when they, all they can see is darkness in front of them. And, and those people are up in, uh, up in the balcony or down on the floor, and they're worshiping. And I pray also in this church and in every church in America that there are some who are doubting. We need both in a healthy church. We need some of the people that are worshiping God to be okay with wrestling with their doubts once in a while. We need some people who are doubting God to become worshipers of God in spirit and truth. We need both. But how do you dance? How do you have a a body of Christ in a church service together every week? You have them coming together through discipleship. When you're strong and I'm weak, I need you. And you may not realize this, but your pastor sometimes needs to hear your faith. Sometimes I need to hear that all this is worth it. Because my degree is in law. And sometimes I need a reminder that the Lord is at work among his people. Because sometimes, I'll be honest, the desk job that you don't think you like very much, as a pastor, sometimes I go, man, that would be a lot better. Because I don't have 15 or 20 people with different expectations. I don't have to hear the worst, most gruesome parts of everybody's life and still just just boldly celebrate them even though I know they're in the midst of the worst sin they've ever been in. That's hard. And, and so for, for some of us, some of us, we need to understand that we need to follow others to the way of Jesus. And when I'm down, the church is the last place to run from. When I'm down, the church is the first place I need to go to because there's somebody else who's closer as long as I'll submit myself to discipleship. Some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he's establishing his credibility. Go, therefore. Everybody say go. go. Go, therefore. And make what? Disciples. Can you say disciple? Disciple. That's what he's told us to do, church. 
If you, you go to church and you have preachers stand up and they preach stuff in the air. I had a neighbor one time and I was talking to him about a particular church that he was uh, visiting once in a while. And he's like, that's my home church. I'm like, that's cool. Like, how often do you get there? And he's like, I don't know, once every eight or 10 weeks. I'm like, eh, okay. I was like, Why, what, what do you enjoy about it? He says, what I enjoyed about it is that the preacher speaks to the room, but never to me. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, that is the most backward statement I have ever heard. And I grew up in Baltimore City. Church, here's the thing. True discipleship, all authority in heaven and earth was given to me. This is Jesus. Go therefore and do what? Make what? Disciples. What is a disciple? A follower of Jesus. A follower of the way. That is our job. If we are not making disciples, if we are not leading other people to Christ, if we are not becoming friends with the, the lost and the downtrodden and the sinner and the one that's broke, the one that's, that's showing YouTube videos of, of God knows what, if we won't be friends with them and lead them towards Jesus, we're doing the whole thing wrong. And if we're content with coming to church and just hearing a funny speaker and, 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 and rolling and we think that we've done something with our lives, we're missing it. What is the way? The way is following the footsteps of Jesus. How do I follow the footsteps of Jesus? I need somebody to show me the footsteps of Jesus. Discipleship. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. One name, three persons, teaching them to observe all that I commanded. Teaching them to observe what? Oh, some of us have a hard time being willing to observe all. And some of us, the most loving thing I can do for you is to point out those areas in love and say, you know, you're coming to me and you're saying you wish your relationship with God was stronger. But you're not observing all. You're observing the parts about God that you're comfortable with. But I don't know about you guys. I have never grown in the moments when I'm most comfortable. We've got guys from Towson football team that attend, and I was joking with them out in the hallway. I said, I feel bad for them because I should really be teaching them guys how to lift But you know what the difference is between their physique and mine, despite the fact that I'm twice their age? Even when I was their age, they are constantly putting their bodies under duress. They are constantly pushing themselves to do more than they can today so that they can do more tomorrow. In the Christian life, we tend to take the opposite view. We tend to say, I need a church that will baby me right where I'm at. I need the preacher to remind me that I'm a good person. I need somebody to inspire me and hope for tomorrow that things will be better. But I don't want to hear anything about getting sweaty. I don't want to hear anything about pushing the limits of where I am spiritually. I kind of want to be those people that donate to a gym but never go, and then just look in the mirror and flex once in a while. That's what most churches are. It's just a bunch of people that never go to the gym spiritually, but they flex all day long. You ever 
I have a teenage son, and he reminds me of myself because every time he's without his shirt walking by a mirror, he's just like, it's like wow, and he just stands and admires. <laughs> it's like, dude, you've done nothing. Like, <laughs> your body's just growing. <laughs> and then some of us, as we get older, we walk by a mirror, guys, and we stop and go, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> the shadows of a bulging belly look an awful lot like abs if you're looking straight on. <laughs> Turn sideways, guys. So, <laughs> and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We follow the way because he is worthy. Everybody say worthy. He's worthy. The reason that you follow Jesus is not because of religion. The reason you follow Jesus is not because your mom or your grandmom or your grandpa used to go to church. The reason you follow Jesus is not because some religious zealot got on a corner and screamed at you to follow Jesus. The reason you follow Jesus is because the way is worthy. He is worthy of your praise. He is worthy of your adoration. He is worthy of your love. He is worthy of your sacrifice. He is worthy of your surrender. He is worthy of you loving the other creatures that he created. He is worthy. The reason that you do everything you do for Jesus is not by obligation. It's not by guilt. It's not because somebody forced you. It's not because you feel bad. It is because he is worthy. And when we have a testimony like Shadrach that comes up and says, I was about to be deported at no fault of my own. And everyone I went to said, this is not going to end well for you. I cried out to my God and he is worthy. My friends, you need to understand, the way is worthy. And that's the only motivation for why you should ever come to this place. It's the only motivation why you should open your Bible. That's the only motivation why you should ever go to a Bible study. And my goodness, that's the only motivation for why you should ever put a dollar in an offering plate. Is because you believe he is worthy. Everything else, every other motivation, every other reason you do what you do that's religious is sin. It's sin. Because you're doing it because of guilt, and you're doing it because of shame, and you're doing it because somebody told you to. That is not why. Everything we do for the glory of God is done because he is worthy. All authority has been given to me, he says. All authority. He says, I'm the last name in the book. I'm the one that gets to decide. I'm the one that died on the cross for you. I'm the one that is your sacrifice. I'm the one that gives you new life. I'm the one that put the breath in your lungs you have. <gasps> He's worthy. A disciple of Jesus is a follower of Jesus, period. Period. I, you would think I wouldn't have to preach that. You, you would think it's such an obvious statement. You, you would think that, that, that boy, that, that does, why does he even have to say it? He's got to say it because people believe that they can get a bumper sticker called Jesus slapped on their back, and all of a sudden life is good. No, a follower of Jesus actually follows Jesus. Who do you follow? Your bank account? The, the teenage voice you have in your head where you say, well, I'll show them. Like, who do you follow? You follow Jesus. The best way to follow the way is to follow those who follow the way. The best way to follow the way. You say, well, how do I follow Jesus, Pastor? The best way to follow the way is to follow those who are following the way. You see, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. 
A disciple of Jesus is a follower of Jesus. Follow me, Paul says, as I follow Christ. And listen, if all you do is read that, and a lot of us do, we just read one verse in the Bible, and we're just like, okay, cool, coffee cup Christianity, follow me as I follow Christ. Makes sense. No, 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 no. Back up. Your Bible wasn't written with numbers and divisions and, and all that stuff. Your Bible was written as a series of, of letters, and it wasn't chopped off the way that you see it chopped off. If you look in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, he says this. Listen to what Paul says. Before he says, follow me, as I follow Christ, I want you to see what he was doing. He said, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the what? Glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. And he said, give no offense to the Jews or the Greeks. They were having this problem about racism and classism and sexism and all these isms. And he's like, you know what? Here's the deal. Jews or Greeks, don't offend either one of them. Can you try that? Can you try that? Can you try not to, to tick off a Republican once in a while? Can you try not to tick off a Democrat? Does everything got to be about you? It's what Paul was saying. He's telling the church, and it was a lot more than Republican or Democrat. This was Jew or Greek. This was like, you're going to heaven, you're going to hell stuff. And he's like, no, no, stop it. Just love everybody. It's not new. The idea of love isn't new. This is Paul in the Bible. He's like, you know what? Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything that I do, I'm not seeking out my own advantage, but that of many. That they may, why? Why is he willing to lay down his own advantage in the situation he has with people? That what? That they might be saved. Paul says, my agenda in life is bigger than the moment. And my agenda in life is bigger than me. My agenda in life is that that person right there can be close enough to hear my heart on the issue that matters most, Jesus. And then he says, what does he say? Follow me as what? As I follow Christ. Why do you need to be in a discipleship relationship with somebody? Why do you need somebody to help you along? Why do you need, whether, you're, whether you've been around the block a long time or you're new in the faith, why do you need somebody to speak truth to you and say lovingly, I, listen, lovingly. Everybody say lovingly. You're full of crap. <laughs> why do we need that? We need that because we're not going to get better than where we are unless somebody who's been a little further ahead says that's not the way to do it. When I was getting on my motorcycle, if Pete ever said to me, Pastor, don't get on that way. Pastor, don't stop that fast. Pastor, don't jerk the, 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 the um, handlebars. Pastor, don't do this or that. If he ever said that thing, those things, do you think I sat there to the guy that's been riding for all his life and I went, well, Pete, I appreciate you, but I mean, I read on Google. <laughs> I, I, I read this thing. No, but do you know what we do spiritually? Somebody's like, hey, um, I've been doing this a little while with Jesus, and it's kind of, he says we should kind of love people this way right here. He's, oh, this over here, he, he kind of says, you know, let's wait till marriage before we sleep together. 
which I had, I did that this week with a young couple. I said, eh. Over here, he kind of says you should forgive the person, even if they're caught in the act of their sin. Give them grace. And you know what we do when somebody says we should give grace to somebody that we don't think deserves it? We go, now I know. Now I know that's what Jesus would do, but come on, pastor, I'm not Jesus. You know what you're saying? I, I googled. Like, I know that the one that God gave all authority to his son, Jesus, I know he said that, but uh, look at me, I'm pretty smart. And as a result, you will not grow. You will be stuck where you are because you will not challenge yourself to obey the one who has all authority. Follow me as I follow Christ. Then he goes on and he says, uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. How many nations? All, say all means all, and that's all all means. All means all, and that's all all means. All nations. That means everybody. That means I don't care if you have a, a, a racist great-grandfather or grandmother. I don't care. Like all nations. Everybody's welcome to this party. And if you don't like it, that's your problem. That's not God's problem. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we're to, we're to make disciples of people. Baptize them. What does that mean? That means um, following the way means we die to our plans and we live God's plan. When you're baptized, what you're doing is you're standing outside the water saying, this is the old me. And when I go under the water, I'm identifying with the death of Jesus. When I come out of the water, I am raised to life, a brand new life in God's eyes. If you have not been baptized, I want to talk to you about it. I want to be able to baptize you. If you come fishing with me, that might be by accident. But we'll work it out. Was anybody at your baptism? Yeah, I saw like six or seven bass. They were just <laughs> swimming by. Listen, baptizing them, the act of baptism means it's an act of surrender. I'm dying to myself, and I'm going to follow Jesus now. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means you die to your own ideas and you follow Jesus. That's what it means. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. How much? All. So is it when somebody comes and they're just like, Pastor, I don't, I don't know. Like you, you, you're reading this and like I, I disagree. And I'm like, okay. Well, I just don't know. I don't like if, it, if you teach about that. I didn't write it. I'm the reader and the narrator. Like, my job is literally to, like, read it, translate it, make it funny, give it to you. And, and, and that's it. Because why? The Bible says part of my job is to teach everything. And here's the deal. It's not to harp on one or the other. It's not to make one bigger than another. Trust me, in this room, I know y'all. There's lots of sin to go around. You can laugh at that. Relax. Don't be full of yourself. Here's the thing. Baptizing them, it's a moment of surrender. I die to myself. I'm living for Christ now. Many of us have forgotten that we've been baptized. You did it as an act. You did it because your parents told you to. You, you went forward at a church somewhere and you got wet. You didn't get baptized. You got wet. 
Because what happened in your heart was no different than when you go swimming. Because nothing changed in here. You just did a religious ritual people told you to do. That's not being baptized. Being baptized is knowing why you're getting in, knowing why you're laying your life down, knowing why you're raised to walk a new life, submitting yourself to following the way. And the way is Jesus. And you know what's interesting? We treat Jesus like a young child treats their parents. Because what's interesting is a young child always wants all the good stuff from the parents. Right? It's like, oh, you got candy? I'm your favorite kid. Oh, you want me to clean my room? Sorry, I couldn't hear you. And as you grow in maturity, you understand, well, how do I show my parents love? Do you ever think about that? What is, what is the way I love them? The way I love them should be that I honor them. And, and I do the things not just that are candy to me, but I do the things that demonstrate the fact that I understand what they've given. So as you get older, hopefully, if you're a decent kid, you started to clean your room more. Hopefully, you would do the chores that are on the chore chart. Hopefully, you would start saying, yes, sir, no, ma'am. Hopefully, you would realize that, wow, my respect to them is a way that I can love them, even though I don't have the ability to repay them. Does that not sound familiar with God? My honor of God, even when I don't understand is a way to show him I trust him as the way, even when I can't repay him. There's no way you'll be able to repay God. And you know what? It's crazy. He even says, don't try. He even says, don't make your relationship with me to try to repay me. You can't do it. Just observe everything that I've commanded you. If we're not following God's ways, we might not be following the way. If we don't follow God's ways, we might not be followers of the way. And at the end, he says, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You'll never lose your way if you follow the way, because the way won't lose you. You'll never lose the way as long as you're following the way, because the way won't lose you. The interesting thing about Jesus is Christian theology teaches you actually aren't the impetus for your relationship with God. The scripture says that we love God because he first, what? Loved us. The scripture says that while we were dead in our sins, Christ, what? Died for us. Christian theology is not how much you can do for God. It's actually simply your love for him for what he's done for you. But we need to follow the way. We need to find the footprints and walk them one by one and trust that at the end of that process, he is holding on to us. It's not about us holding on to him. John 14, 6 and 7, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Look at this. How many people? No one. No one comes to the Father except through me. Church, in these next few weeks, I want to give you tips and tricks and walk with you in how to follow the way. Because I believe, genuinely I believe, as I stand here right now on my testimony, on my life story, and, and with everything I have, I've not done it perfect. 
but I promise you there was a day when I was 13 years old, about a half a mile from where my son is sitting right now playing drums, and a half a mile away, I said, you know what, Lord, I don't even know why you have me on this earth. I'm here in the middle of a government housing project. My father doesn't even want me. My mom's working multiple jobs to try to get by. We're, we're you know, seeing roaches run around our whole house. I don't even know. Is this really worth living? And as, as before God of a testimony I could ever give you, if you will follow the way of Jesus, you'll see that in due season, in due time, with every little yes, he brings you closer to himself and he begins to reveal for you why he put you on the planet. And one day, you may stand in front of a crowd like I am this morning and say, you know what my son is doing? My son is helping another church lead people to the way. My son is a worship leader this morning, less than a half a mile from where I stood bouncing that rubber ball. And the only thing that changed in my life, I'm not more special than anybody else, the only thing that I know changed compared to my friends was I was the one in the group that said, you know what, I'm not into that, I'm following Christ. And I've had to do that time and time again, and through sin and through failure and getting up and starting over, all the time following the way. And I promise you, I don't know where you are or what you're dealing with today, but I promise you, if you will follow Jesus over and over and over and over in the small things, one day you're going to look up and say, man, I'm so glad that I followed the way of Christ. Let's pray. Let's pray. 